It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Downtown Las Vegas, long a part of the history and economy of Southern Nevada, has witnessed dynamic growth and change in the last decade. But what's ahead for this unique destination? How does downtown Las Vegas adapt to changes in the economy, to the decrease in demand brought on by the coronavirus, and the competition of the Las Vegas Strip? Well, my guest, Jonathan Jossel, CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino, is one of the key executives downtown, and we'll talk about some of these issues. For everything about the Plaza Hotel and Casino, go to plazahotelcasino.com, where you can also hear On the Corner of Main Street, the podcast of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. And you can follow Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan Jossel. And Jonathan, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ira. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about, before we get into Las Vegas and downtown particularly, which is your bailiwick. Tell us a little bit about your journey from South Africa to London to Las Vegas. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. And the, the story of how I ended up here is an unusual one. And it probably doesn't make sense to many people that I'm living in downtown Las Vegas to my family back in England, but there's nowhere in the world I'd rather be. So um, I was born in South Africa in Johannesburg and lived there for about six years, moved to London with my family. I grew up in London and... I was doing my thesis at university in Birmingham on the gambling industry in the UK, the proliferation of casinos in the UK, and what would be the social benefits or consequences of it, uh, of, of having Las Vegas-style casinos coming to the UK. And that was back in the early 2000s. They were, they were discussing this. And while I was doing that uh, research and study through some family friends, I met Poyu Zabladovich, who is the chairman of the Tamaras Group, and I told him what I was doing my thesis on, and he said casually, well, I just bought five casinos in downtown Las Vegas. And I sort of, my, my chin dropped, and I sort of looked at him as if he was crazy. And said, <laughs> what do you mean you just bought five casinos? Not often you meet somebody that says that. So he said, yeah, I, I bought the five casinos in downtown Las Vegas. So I researched it online, and I saw that he had purchased them from Jackie Gorn. And at the time, it was the Plaza Hotel and Casino, the Las Vegas Club, the Western, the Nevada Club, and the gold spike and then there was about another 40 acres of land associated with it so i followed up with him and i said look uh, this is incredible i would love to do some research for my thesis and spend some time out there and do some work for you out there so he offered me an internship this was in 2005 and i lived in the plaza in a derby suite which we still call today the derby suite there's three of them in the south tower there are biggest and nicest rooms. Back in 2005, they were not as nice as they are now, I will note. And I lived there for about two months. And uh, it was an interesting experience. And I sort of got to know downtown. But it was different because I didn't know anyone. And downtown was definitely not what it is today. There was no free money entertainment district. There was no art district. There was no symphony park. There was basically just the Fremont Street experience with all of the older hotels, as, as they're known today, but today there's a lot more remodel and, and, and work happens to them. So anyway, I left, I left uh, after the two months. I said, thanks for the experience, but downtown's got a long way to go. And he had a vision that was interesting. His vision was that downtown Las Vegas could become a little bit like other downtowns in America, or even more similarly, 
through a building he had invested in in the 80s in Times Square. Uh, so he thought that downtown could be redeveloped, cleaned up in the same way that Times Square was over the 90s. And, of course, he did very well in Times Square. And in, in Las Vegas, it's a little different because you got these hotel casino operations, which are a huge undertaking. And so I actually ended up working for him in the UK, in London, in real estate. And then he offered me a job full-time. And after two years being in London, he said, look, I need someone on the ground in Las Vegas. And I said, no way, that's not for me. Uh, no, thank you. He said, well, you're the only person who works for me that is not married, who doesn't have a home, and is uh, mo uh, sort of mobile. I need you to go out there for three months and be my eyes and ears because there's a lot of issues and things happening out there. So I got on a plane in July 2007. I came out here, and uh, the rest is history. I, I did sort of three months stints, but I fell in love with what was happening in downtown. I saw a vision that I did not see two years prior. There was the Fremont East Entertainment District with new bars. There was the downtown cocktail room, beauty bar. There was some residential development happening, all with younger guys getting involved. And I thought, yeah, this is, uh, this is happening, and I want to be here. So that's how I got out here, and it obviously changed my life in terms of committing my life to Las Vegas. I met my wife out here. I now have three children out here. So uh, like I said, it doesn't make much sense that a kid from England is living out here and running a casino, but boy, do I love it. <laughs> it's great. The other thing that I like about you is that you combine the element of corporate and academia, but you also personalize it as well. So in other words, a lot of corporate guys in gaming don't know how to relate to people on the ground, on the casino floor. You are hands-on, so you have the academic background, you have the corporate background, and you also have the people background. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's, uh, well, thank you for saying that. That's very kind of you. The, the people part of the business is probably what I enjoy the most. I mean, I love the numbers, I love the analytics, I love the 24-7 nature of the industry and the business specifically, but it, it, there's just nothing like it. You know, I, I try to make a point every morning or every afternoon to meet a customer at the coffee bar or at the Oscars lounge to have a drink with them just to get to know people. And, and, and more, than, more than customers, I like to do that with the team members. So when I came out here in 2007, I, I made it a point to sort of uh, spend time down in the casino meeting the team members that I'd worked here for some of them longer than I'd been alive. Some of them had worked here for 40 years, and, and it was pretty amazing to me to see that. And, and so I, I got the opportunity to learn from them about what made the plaza so special back in the day, what happened to the plaza over the years, and, and really understand the industry. So meeting with team members, but also with guests is something I, I actually enjoy. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't see it as being hands-on. I just see it as doing something that I want to do and enjoy doing. Were the team members surprised that a key executive, in this case the head honcho of the property, would actually interact with them and get their advice and suggestions and feedback and history? Yeah, they were. I mean, they, they, they still are to this day. They, <laughs> you know, something I hear a lot. But again, I don't see it like that. I, I come down here on a Sunday in my shorts and a T-shirt, and I walk around and shake hands. Well, not anymore shake hands, but I used to shake hands and, you know, say hi to everyone. And, and just it's just natural to me to be here. So it's not a... Um, it's really not a big, uh, a, a big to-do, but for them, I think it is a meaningful interaction. And I encourage all of our management team to be down the floor at least once a day, twice a day, to, to talk to different people, show your face, and 
be a part of the be a part of the happenings. I think that's a lot of things that have been forgotten about Las Vegas is that that doesn't happen that much anymore. Right, and especially downtown when it was compared to the Las Vegas Strip, and I have some history with downtown, but it was always considered much more people friendly and down to earth than the Strip, and yet here are employees or team members reacting incredulously that that the top guy is interacting with them and talking to them and asking for their feedback, etc. That, that, um, that was one of the things that was almost unanimous across the board when I first came out here. I would hear about this guy, Jackie Gorn, who was the pioneer, in my opinion, of downtown Las Vegas, and I'm sure you've heard of him. Oh, sure. And, and, and the way that the team would talk about his affection for the team and the customers is something that really stuck with me, and maybe that's what maybe that's what made me more conscious of it but they would tell the story of how he would be down on the floor talking to everyone helping clean up and just a, just a part of the operation and then i saw it with michael gorn over at the south point every day he would have lunch in the same coffee shop with different team members and be a be a figure a part of it so yeah it's a big part of leading and and being a presence and i, I think the gorn family probably are the best in the business at that but it's great that you're continuing that tradition, which has been part of downtown Las Vegas, then went away for a while and seems to be back, certainly in your situation. I wanted to talk also about the larger issue of downtown, and I want to get into your unique part of what you do, which is the podcast, but talking a little bit in my introduction, I talked about how downtown Las Vegas has had to adapt to changes in the economy and obviously the coronavirus challenge and the competition of the Las Vegas trip. How do you see that from your point of view? Well, there's two different things I think that you're asking about. One is competition with the strip, and one is one is the virus. And I think one of the things that I I, like, I, I get stuck on, I guess, is prior to the March, downtown was the fastest growing segment in the entire state of Nevada in terms of gaming win. We were outperforming the strip, we were outperforming the regionals, we were outperforming everybody as a as a segment. We were growing faster than anyone else, and the plaza specifically was having its you know best time since I had been here at least. And obviously, that all came to a screeching halt in March. We had projected to have the best year we'd ever had in 2020. So seeing that happen, obviously, was a huge uh, shock. But at this point, nothing really shocks me because we've been dealing with this now eight months. And I tell everybody, don't, don't call this crazy times anymore. This is the time. Um, these are the times we're in, and, and we have to adapt to it. So we've gotten on okay, obviously, with we're happy to be open. It's better to be open than to be closed, which sounds obvious, but I think some people thought it was going to be better to stay shut. We found it much better to be open. Plus, we put all of our team back to work, and I feel that we're doing it in a very safe and cautious way and still able to give people a good experience. So I, overall, I've been pleasantly surprised by how, how well we've done and how well, we, not just in terms of the business, but in terms of taking the precautions and still being able to keep people safe and give people, our guests a good experience. In terms of competing with the Strip, I mean, that's out of the window at this point. I think the Strip is going to be the hardest sort of recovery just because they're so dependent on conventions and international travel. I think downtown is a little less dependent on international travel. We're still very dependent on conventions and groups, so that's a big problem for us. And I think you see that in terms of now the locals casinos are probably the best performers right now as opposed to downtown the strip so if anybody's outperforming the market now it's the locals just because they have a built-in database and audience they don't rely so much on travel and uh, groups and conventions like we do but i think prior to prior to the pandemic downtown really started doing well mainly because i think people love the history of vegas 
but then when you see the um, when you see the way that downtown was improving, people would come down here in the early 2000s and say, "Oh, I got to check out Old Vegas." That's what I always said. Oh, I want to see Old Vegas, the neon, the lights. But they would come down here, check it out, and then maybe an hour or two later head back to the strip. What started happening was the hotels and casinos like ourselves, like the Golden Nugget, like the Downtown Grand, the D, we all upgraded our hotels and casinos. And then we updated our pools and we upgraded the restaurants and we added entertainment. Then you had the event center, then you had the core arena. And with all these things, you started seeing people saying, well, hold on a second, I can go downtown, check out the history, but then I can actually stay down there, eat down there, have a nice room, have a nice pool experience, go see a show. And we created a whole experience down here, and I think that's what we're starting to catch on. And, and, and that's what I believe will come back probably next summer will be the start of the roaring 20s in downtown Las Vegas. And the way you described it, it's almost a dual-track attraction now. You have what you said, people want to see what they perceive as the old Vegas, and they come down and they see all this new stuff as well. Yeah, and, and actually I forgot one more critical thing, which is so there's the old Vegas experience, there's the new attractions and the, and the better experience of the restaurants, bars, hotel rooms, convention space. We have the biggest convention space downtown with 30,000 square feet. But there's one other thing which is very important, and I think that's the casino experience downtown. Whether it's the more liberal comps, whether it's the better payback on the video poker games, slot machines, and probably the most recognizable thing is the, is the blackjack game odds, craps, you know, at least 10 times odds down here. And at least at the plaza, we have single zero roulette. So these gaming experiences are things that people do seek out and recognize that there's better value for them in downtown Las Vegas. Yes, and I think better value has always been part of the downtown attraction, even going back two or three decades. That that was the perception for downtown. Right. Yeah. Yep. Let's take a break. My guest, Jonathan Jossel, is CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. For everything about the Plaza Hotel and Casino, go to plazahotelcasino.com, where you can also hear on the corner of Main Street, the podcast of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. You can follow Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan Jossel. That's J-O-S-S-E-L. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. Come discover a world of possibilities, a world of wonder, a world carefully curated with interactive, hands-on experiences that put the unique needs of children to play, explore, belong, and learn right where they should be. And that's first. Discovery Children's Museum. Our kids first. For more information, please visit discoverykidslv.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Jonathan Jossel. He's CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. For everything about the Plaza Hotel and Casino, go to plazahotelcasino.com, where you can also hear on the corner of Main Street, the podcast of the Plaza. You can follow Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan Jossel. And as I mentioned about the podcast twice here, Jonathan, let's get into it with a little more detail. It's unusual for most hotels to grasp the concept of doing podcasts, let alone radio or TV shows from their property. I did one at the Las Vegas Hilton when I worked there for many years, and I was delighted when I found out what that you, you were... Do at the, what did you do at the Las Vegas Hilton? I did, uh, it was called Lunchtime with Ira, and it was, I was an executive there, and we did a weekly show that was both television, radio, and at that time, unheard of on uh, as a podcast or also what, uh, online. What year was that in? That would have been 2004 to 2009. 
Oh, wow. And you, uh, what position were you doing? Then? I was you vice president of communications for the hotel. Oh, very cool. And we did a weekly show, and we did it from there, and we opened it up, just as you do, to everybody. It was, was free to come, even though we did it from the Las Vegas Hilton at the time. We did it so that it was open to everybody on the Strip of downtown, entertainers, writers, etc., and they were able to come in and talk and promote their property or their book or their act or whatever it happened to be. We had no problem with that. So it worked out very well. So I was delighted when I found out about your podcast, and it's coming from the plaza. So tell us how you... You handle it because you are one of the hosts of the actual podcast. Yeah, you know, um, so our marketing team had the idea to do it, and uh, I was a little uncertain about it at first. And then I realized that, um, you know, it could be a little bit of fun. I didn't think it would really go anywhere, to be honest with you. But what happened was we started doing it in February, and we were sort of not really, <laughs> we didn't really have a good plan for it. We were just doing episodes at, at, at that point. And then what happened was with the pandemic, it gave us an opportunity to really spend more time on it because we were shut down. So it's when I realized that actually it was a great channel for communication. And then by doing just a few episodes, I started getting feedback from people saying, this is cool that a hotel and casino would be so transparent and open and uh, really just give their thoughts on everything going on. So we were doing that with the pandemic. And then we started inviting some more guests on. We, we, at first, it was just going to be with Plaza team members. But then we realized by inviting other guests on, we got different perspectives and really allowed us to be more open with some of, a lot of our competitors come on the podcast. And, um, you know, we just, it just grew. And then I think we've done 20, 25 episodes or so right now. And it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed getting to know a lot of my friends better just from, you know, it gives you a chance to sit down and hear their stories and how they ended up here. A lot of the time we forget, we forget to ask people those questions. So it's nice to learn about our friends, our colleagues, our competitors. And it's just a little bit of fun. It's not necessarily, uh, we don't take it too seriously. We enjoy it. And um, we also have, it's called On the Corner of Main Street because the plaza is literally located on the corner of Main Street. And as you said, we, we record each episode out of Oscars. We usually do it uh, early afternoon with a cocktail and just chit-chat for about an hour. And also on the corner of Main Street is a lyric from a band called The Killers, and they're a big part of the Las Vegas community and also were my favorite band back in England. So it was ironic then that I got to star in one of their music videos called The Man a couple of years later. So we honored them by calling it us also on the corner of Main Street. And we'll see where it goes. We probably will keep going. It's, uh, we just put a new episode today about the Neon Museum. And uh, it's all about downtown Las Vegas, the cities and various industries that make Las Vegas work. So... Yeah, please, anybody listening, check it out. But, they can uh, go either to the Plaza Hotel website, plazahotelcasino.com. It's on Apple, Spotify, and on the Plaza website, which is plazahotelcasino.com forward slash podcast. And a totally different question, because it's intrigued me ever since they've been installed, but can you explain to many of our listeners who may not know, what is pickleball? <laughs> That's a great question. I get asked that a lot. Um, you know, pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. It's a hybrid of Tennis meets table tennis. So it's like miniature tennis, but it's, um, it was developed by a gentleman who was a former tennis player. And uh, due to various knee injuries and other problems, he, he realized he couldn't play tennis anymore, but he still wanted to play a racket sport that was good exercise. And uh, that's how pickleball was born. And since then, it's become, as I said, the fastest growing sports in America. It's called pickleball, I believe, because the guy who created it 
had a dog named Pickle, and when they were playing this game, the ball would get, you know, go to the sides, and he would tell his dog called Pickle to go get the ball. And that's how Pickleball became the name of it. Um, it's like a wiffer ball with a little racket, and it's a wonderful game. I've started playing it myself. I really enjoy it. And funnily enough, I was watching the NBA Finals uh, the other night on ESPN, and the commentator said to the guy he was interviewing, a very famous basketball player, are you going to miss the bubble, the NBA bubble? And he said, mm. he thought about it, he said, not really, but I am going to miss playing pickleball every day. And I couldn't believe on ESPN, the NBA finals, they were talking about pickleball. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of how fast this thing is growing. It's becoming a lot more mainstream. And we own the Las Vegas Pickleball Open. We have 16 courts on our pool deck. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. And I think the, uh, the sport will continue to grow. I hope it continues to grow. And I see, I see it getting younger, all age demographics, more competitive. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes over the next few years. You mentioned demographics, and I'm always intrigued by downtown demographics. Let's take the plaza as an example. There used to be a radio station on the property way back when, when I was doing a broadcast through KDON at that time, and it was overlooked the um, the pool area. But a lot of people don't realize you have a pool deck that's above. In other words, people walking by the plaza may not know, certainly out-of-towners may not know that there's a whole pool up there. Yeah, so the pool, the pool was there. Um, it's an interesting story. The pool actually used to be where Oscars is. If you do a little research, you will see that the pool used to be right in the dome that Oscars is in now. When we were building out Oscars, it was Firefly, sorry. When we were building out Firefly prior to Oscars, we did some demolition. I saw no diving written on the floor. I thought, how weird is that? <laughs> and I went back and I found the pictures. And in the 70s, that was the pool deck overlooking Fremont Street. It was right. a very cool pool deck. The radio station yeah. overlooked that pool deck because it was down the hall from where Oscars is. If you go inside the hotel, I up know, the exactly escalator. where the radio right. station Wasn't it called K-Ness or something? K-Don, K-D-W-N. K-Don, exactly. I remember it, yep. And... Um, so, so anyway, we, uh, we had the pool deck there, and then when they built the South Tower, they put the pool deck in between the two towers. Today, if you want my opinion, even though our friend next door with Circa is doing this, I don't recommend rooftop pool decks. It's <laughs> too difficult to get people up there and down. And if you can do it on the ground level, it's obviously much better, but if you don't have the land or the space to do it, it's difficult. So the plaza has this huge pool deck up in between the two towers, and we redid it in 2016. It's a beautiful pool deck. We have, a, obviously, the pickleball course there, but we have the cabanas. We have live music. Not at the moment, but we did. We have a food truck up there with uh, great food and a bar. We have a hot tub. So it's a, it's a nice amenity for us. We redid it again just a couple of years ago. And the pool scene in downtown is really coming along. So it's nice to see. I was mentioning demographics a moment ago. I want to get back to it because my point was, you have infused the place with a lot of energy and a, a lot of new attractions. You mentioned Oscars, the pool, pickleball, etc., and entertainment, of course, now with the comedy. Do you find that your demographics are starting to skew a little younger, or is it a nice mix of old and new, so to speak, or younger and older? So our demographics since the pandemic actually has skewed younger, which is no surprise, uh, because obviously it's, it, the virus impacts different age groups differently. But, you know, the business model we are in is still a little older. Our bingo game is still our biggest driver of uh, slot revenue. So having our super bingo tournaments like we just had last week is still our best demographic for the property. But 
you know, one of the things you realize is if you want to be successful, you have to appeal to many different people. It's almost like you have to be a leprechaun at different times. So we, we go some days from doing super bingo tournaments, which is a, uh, heavily skews to 65 plus female audience to a demolition derby the next week, which could be a mid thirties male demographic. So you have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to appeal to different people. We do the rodeo, obviously. We do a lot of different uh, events that attract a different broad range of demographics. And what you do find is a lot of older people do enjoy being around the younger people because they like the energy. They do want to still have fun when they come here. They want to see young people and, you know, maybe themselves feel a little bit younger as they come here and let off some steam. So um, we, we, we try to, at this point, appeal to as many, as broad a demographic as we can without being pigeonholing ourselves too much to one set demographic. So we don't have very loud music in the casino because obviously that, that would deter a lot of people for the noise, as, as an example. So we do feel that it's, um, it's important to be a little bit more flexible and adaptable and not pigeonhole yourself. But recognizing that the number one demographic that still is the best for us is that slightly older slot player. When you make changes at the plaza, I know that obviously a corporation owns the plaza and other entities as well, but there are corporations and there are corporations. In other words, one guy can drive the whole thing and in other corporations, it's always the committee situation. I get the sense that you're the main decision maker. And if you want to create an event for a particular demographic, you can go ahead and do it. Or, or you wanted to add another amenity or another attraction or another room with something going on in the hotel, you can pretty much go forward with that. Would I be correct? You're absolutely correct. I think that's what's special about downtown and specifically the plaza is that we are more agile. We don't have a lot of approval levels. If I want to, basically whatever I want to do here, we can do. Uh, we have a small team that really is driving the ship. And um, yeah, we're, we're very, very flexible and we, we're willing to take risks and try new things, which perhaps some more uh, established properties are not. So we, we, we pride ourselves on that creativity. And we also we also like the fact that a lot of people that come to work here will say, wow, we get to deal directly with the people that make the decisions and ultimately impact what happens here. Whereas at some other corporations, you feel like just a number and you have to go through multiple levels to effectuate change. So we, we, we do definitely pride ourselves on that. Yeah, and I think people that deal with casinos and hotels and resorts, if they're pitching something, they don't mind a no as long as they get the no pretty quick as opposed to it going through 18 different committees and channels and levels. That makes sense. Yeah, that does. So that way they respect you because you can give them a decision, whether it's yes or no, quicker in that sense. Two other quick questions and then we'll wrap it up. One is what you obviously work well with others. So you're involved with the Downtown Vegas Alliance. You're on the Fremont East Entertainment District Board of Directors. You mentioned your family, of course, as well. So you're, you're out there all the time. I guess this is really the one question, which is, can you turn it off at night? In other words, when you go to bed, or is your brain constantly going with new ideas because you, you have this property that you can change things in all the time? That's, that's funny you ask that. Um, my wife will tell you that I don't turn it off at night, that's for sure. I, I, um, I don't see it as turning it off just because I, I don't see it as work. So I just love doing it. It's just a part of what I do. But, but I, do, I do find myself, because it's a 24-7 business, I do find myself struggling with, uh, you know, how much time I, I spend on it and, and constantly dealing with different matters. But, but it, like I said, I love it, so I wouldn't change anything. And um, 
I find my time to get rest as well. And I've taken a, a few, I started playing pickleball and keeping active is something that I, I, I like to do. So uh, that's important to me as well. But I, I, I love it. I wouldn't change it now with my kids. I have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and I, I love being with them. And when I'm with them, I'm pretty good at focusing on that. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Jonathan Jossel, CEO of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. For everything about the Plaza Hotel and Casino, go to plazahotelcasino.com, where you can also hear on the corner of Main Street, the podcast of the Plaza Hotel and Casino. And you can follow Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan Jossel. And Jonathan, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Enjoyed chatting with you. And anytime you come down here, let's have a drink sometime. Absolutely. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah,